But before, grab a seat. I thought I'd better tell you who he is. For some of you that don't know, Pastor Chris has actually just flown in from Fiji. And he's younger than me. Because he has just done a youth conference of over, what, 1,600 in Fiji, ministering the Word of God. He is a man, he is a voice in the nation of KL, Kuala Lumpur, and he is preaching the gospel. And so tonight, we're just going to honor, and it's an honor to have you here, sir. And we want to honor you today. So thank you. Wow. How's everybody doing tonight? Come on. So good to be here with you all. This is my, let me see, since started uh, preaching last Sunday, three services. I'm going to end the final service for the week. This is my 10th service. Hallelujah. I'm excited because I know that God has a special word for every one of us that are here. Uh, I, I'm from Malaysia. Anybody know where Malaysia is? Anybody been to Malaysia? Yeah, come and visit me. We'll go out for a meal. I pray you pay. Hallelujah. That's good, right? It's good. It's good. Just came back from uh, Fiji, did five days of conference. Amazing. 1,600 young people. The start of the conference, conference on a Monday and Tuesday, as I was just sharing the word, I find that there, many of them, I mean, they were there, but it was so difficult for them to receive from God because they were very much inward looking as some people are. And I begin to challenge them, I begin to remind them that even though you are from the interior or you are from the village, you are no different from us who are from the city because all of us are made in the very image of God. Can somebody say amen? amen. By the way, if I speak too fast and if I get into my Malaysian English, if you can't understand, all you got to do is this, uh, raise up your hands and wave at me and I'll probably ignore you, all right. <laughs> By the time the third night, I really felt that the young people need to understand that God wants to take them beyond their own individual incapabilities. What I was telling them, and I'm going to tell you tonight, that the devil has two tricks. Trick number one, you are unworthy. Trick number two, you are unable. So many people cannot say yes in the yes bar because they feel unworthy. They feel that they're not good enough. They feel that they're not holy enough. They're still messing up things in their life. And look at some of those, I mean, the, the, the villagers, the kids, about more than a thousand of them are from the interior. I know that they have been abused before. I know that they have been intimidated, bullied, marginalized. You name it. They have gone through everything. And sometimes they look at themselves and they think that they have really failed. And I reminded them again that God can use them while He changes them. Can somebody say amen? In other words, you don't have to wait until you are ready. As long as you say yes. Go to the yes bar and say yes. Yeah. We will find a place for you in City Point Red Cliff. Yeah. And God can change you even as He uses you. Yeah. Or He uses you as He changes you. Yeah. But one of the things I told the young people that really helped them to lift up their mind away from what they are going through is I reminded them again, because they love the Bible. Don't we all love the Bible? Yeah, yeah I mean, we respect the Bible. But a lot of us think that the Bible, I'm trying to show a Bible, but I've got iPad here, so. <laughs> but, the Bible, a lot of people think that it's a, it's, it's, it's a book of behavior, which is not true. The Bible has nothing to do with what you can do, what you cannot do, because a lot of people think that Christianity or our faith is about what, what we do. You, you do good, uh, you give, uh, God loves you. Great job. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. 
If you're not faithful, God says, I'm unhappy with you. Judgment for you. And we think it's a book of behavior. My dear friends, if you think about the Bible or even our Christian faith as just something about behavior, you are wrong. Because the Bible is about the, it's a book about identity. And I was just telling the young people, no matter what you have done, where you are from, regardless of how dysfunctional your family was, no matter how much or how bad your past has been, it's got nothing to do with what you have done, but who you are. In the eyes of God tonight, my dear friends, you are still a child of God. Yes, with all your, your, the things that you have messed up, He still look at you and He still call you my child. And it was C.S. Lewis. I'm not that smart to be able to quote it, but C.S. Lewis is the one who said, that if you know your creator and you know the purpose of the creation, that is you, you will find the greatest purpose in life. Yeah. You will begin to live a purposeful life. Yeah. Can somebody say amen? amen? That's a bit of introduction. It was amazing. The last night, by Friday night, the last night, man, 1,600 kids. I, I've got it all on video which I will load up soon. I mean, the praise, I mean, for young people, praise is easy for them. I'm not talking about Young people praise, they'll jump around and dance around like monkeys. That's, that's normal for them. Right? Young people, I mean, for, for praise. But it comes to worship, a lot of them take a step back. Because they sense the, the, the sin in their life and they don't want to worship. But those bunch of people, they were crying at the altar. They were weeping when they were singing the song, What a wonderful name it is, nothing. And they were weeping and crying. I'm like, God, this is absolutely not normal. And to take it to the next level, after that, it was offering time. You can really sense the heart of revival in a church or in the lives of the young people when it comes to offering. Yeah. And the offering, I tell you, I capture, they, are, they were dancing to put their offering in. Dancing, put the offering in. And I'm like, wow, my church kingdom city is pretty awesome. We've got about 8,000 people. The church have grown in 12 years in KL. In the midst of Muslim opposition, we have grown to 8,000 people. Amazing. We don't even dance at the offering. But they were dancing, they were singing away. You want a good shot? Which one? How about, how about a, a Chinese Kung Fu? Because every Chinese knows martial arts, right? But honestly, they were there rejoicing. And I spoke to the, 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 the director. He was saying, Pastor Chris, 1,600 people. Our normal offering is about $800, $500. That night, they took about $2,500. That's never happened before. Can somebody say amen? amen? Pretty amazing. And the Spirit of God moved. Nothing to do with Chris Long. It was there. And I, I, I spoke a simple message about how to add wood into your fire. Because when you go back, some of them will wait for the next conference. Next for, wait for the next revival. I told them, you take the fire with you. I told them about three pieces of wood. And I showed them three pieces of wood. And I told them that how I, I climbed one of the coconut trees in Suva and all the way climbed up to break the three branches and br brought down the, the wood. And I nearly lost my life. And the last two minutes was not true. <laughs> and they were all laughing because they know it wasn't true. I told them about how the three pieces of wood, simple. I told them the first wood is just love people. As long as you are loving people, you always add fire into your life. I told them second thing is this, right? Tell people about Jesus. Don't stop. Share your testimony. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. And then the third thing I was telling them about how they worship God and praise Him unashamedly. And I tell you towards the end, they, they went on to worship until it was 11 o'clock. They were still going for it. I, I, was, I was exhausted at 11.30. They actually danced up to 12 o'clock. 
I mean, incredible. Oh, by the way, their breakfast time was 4.30 a.m. Which human being wakes up at 4.30 a.m. to get their breakfast? Whole day, and they were still on fire for God. Well, that is what I saw in Fiji, and I believe that it should be the norm and not the exceptional as far as our ministry is concerned. All right? Excellent. Okay, let's get into the Word tonight. Let's see, I've got, all right, good, 30 minutes, that's excellent. I want to talk about healing the water, healing the water. Now, wherever I travel, and I travel quite a fair bit, uh, travel to about, so far, about 20 nations. The most difficult nations that I've been to was uh, Ghana and Nigeria. It was tough, but my most difficult was one of my first trips about 20 years ago, where I went to a place called Bangladesh. It was tough. 20 years ago, Bangladesh was still a little bit uh, primitive, a bit raw. And the thing about Bangladesh was this. I went there with a the pastor and I saw when we, 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 we turned on the tap, the water that came out looked like Chinese tea. Hallelujah. <laughs> I put a little bit of sugar, can you drink it as tea? And it was like, whoa. And, and the thing is this, right? I actually, there was no 7-Eleven, there was no convenience store, but we went to a little, uh, a, a little supermarket that was there that was only frequented by the expats because everything was expensive. And I said, I need to buy mineral water because I'm going to be there for 14 days. And I cannot drink this water. I will get sick. Now, being an Asian, being a Malaysian, I can handle anything, everything. You put on the table, I pray and I'll eat. That's it. When I was growing up in Sunday school, my Chinese Sunday school teacher told me that if Adam and Eve were Chinese, there will be no sin because the snake would have been eaten. Hallelujah. <laughs> but that's what... I would eat everything. But water-wise, it was difficult. I, I, and I remember I bought, I used a lot of my money, bought a lot of water. I was this close to showering with mineral water. I was this close. Once I saw the water coming, I'm like, my hair is gone. I mean, but I actually brushed it with mineral water. Every day, I mean, because I just cannot put that in my mouth. And thank God, 14 days, even though we were in the village, in the village was cool. Took us 10 hours from the city of Dhaka to Gopal Gonch. We have to change four buses. One of the buses had to sit on a ferry that takes about a 30 minutes, not a river cruise, 30 minutes treacherous journey in the water to get to the other side. I still remember how they say it's a ferry. I'm like, ferry? Okay. It's not a ferry. It's a bus on a huge piece of wood. That's it. <laughs> and they were, some of them were sitting on top of the bus. I mean, that's the best seat for them. On top of the bus, drinking their tea and their coffee. And I was just hoping not to lean because the whole, the whole bus may just fall into the water. But we reached there about 10 hours later and I was one of the first Chinese that they have ever seen in the village. How cool is that? I mean, Chinese are everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> 1.2 billion of us, everywhere. Too many of us sometimes, never mind. <laughs> and I was there and they told me, oh, pastor, this is one of our small village. I said, wow, how many people? One million. Oh, yeah. One million is your small village? I was sitting on a little rickshaw uh, and then going to the city. I can still remember the kids running around looking, hey, Chinese, Chinese. I love it, man. I've never been called that before. Chinese, Chinese. I say, yeah, you're looking at Jackie Chan. Yeah, man. <laughs> great conference, great ministry time. Uh, but I remember the water. Because if you drink the wrong water, you, you can get sick. 
I was also told that in history, uh, or one of my friends told me this, that he says that uh, uh, 70% of our body is made out of water. 70%. And this same person also told me that we can actually survive without solid food anywhere between 30 to 40 days. Now, I absolutely disagree. I Google it, it's true, but I absolutely disagree. Because again, back to my Chinese food. I'm a Malaysian Chinese. I cannot survive without solid food 30 to 40 minutes. Hallelujah. 30 to... Amen. I hear some... Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you, you guys don't really eat real food, right? Nah? Eat everything. Are you Chinese? But honestly, right? But then the same friend tells me, you know, Chris, uh, if without water, three to four days, we will dehydrate and we will die. That's how important water is. History also shows us, right, when there are battles, I mean, olden days battles, if you want to actually attack and defeat your enemy in the village or in the vicinity of the whole city, one of the best ways is to poison the main spring, the water source. And you don't go and poison them by dumping a whole poison inside. They will taste it and they know it's not coffee. You got to do it little by little. Get a spy and just put it little by little. A few millimeters, a few centimeters, half a liter. And in a week or so, the water will be poisoned little by little. And whoever drinks it, and especially the soldiers and the warriors and those who are involved in preparation for the battle, once they start drinking without realizing it, they get poisoned little by little. And before you know it, in a week's time, a month's time, when the other group attack them, they will be so weak to fight because they have been poisoned because the spring, the water that they drank from has been poisoned little by little. I've discovered in the kingdom of God, Jesus speaks about how out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of our belly, sorry, will flow rivers of living water. But some of us, there's no rivers of living water. Our water is stagnant. Our water has been poisoned. Some of us have been poisoned by offense. Uh, poisoned by disappointment. Poisoned by what we perceive as unanswered prayer. Uh, uh, we get stabbed in the back. We, our prayers not being answered. We get hurt. And because of this, little by little, you, you'll be surprised how many Christians drop out of the whole abundant life that God promised them because their water has been poisoned. Is there that rivers of living water flowing out from you? Truth. I mean, real story. On Thursday, I met up with one of the Fiji youth leaders. When I first went there in the year 2002, uh, tw 2002, yeah? 2002, my first time. He was only 23 years old. One of the, he's, 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 from, he's an Indian ethnic Punjabi. Amazing. Business, young man, 23 years old. One of the leaders organizing the whole conference. I went sitting for such a long time. Uh, managed to meet up that day. And because in uh, Lotoka, there was only one place that was open up to 10 o'clock. McDonald's, Macca's. <laughs> and then we were eating. And then she was telling me, Pastor Chris, and he got married about five, six years ago. He told me that. And then he told Pastor, you know, uh, ask him, how's your wife? And he was really trembling in his voice and says, my wife and I have been separated. And his wife is a pastor's kid. And so is he. Now in the Fijian island, the village, the pastor's kid don't get divorced and get separated. Yeah. They're supposed to be extra holy. You know what I mean? He was broken, he was hurt. And he said, pastor, this is how I felt. In the whole conference, that one night, he used the word, pastor, I felt so weird. I said, why? He said, because I knew where I should be going, but I'm not and I'm stuck here. And my main concern is that how can God ever use me again? When he, when, he, when he said that, I wanted to break 
into tears because that's a lie from the devil. That he felt he's unworthy. And I know maybe that his culture, his, his community will, will say that he has messed up, but not in the eyes of God. Not in the eyes of God. And he remembered, he said, Pastor, you were preaching about the life of Joseph. And you mentioned one thing that really struck me. And I talked about how Joseph in prison, right, was how he, he used his gifts even though he was in the low season of his life. In the wrong season of his life. Most of us, we would not want to serve God in the bad seasons of our life. We would not want to use our gifts. Some of us, we, we, we are so religious, we say, wait until I'm blessed, then I start to give. No, no, no. Start giving even though you think that you don't have enough. I, I will start serving, Pastor. I will only start serving once when my life is set, uh, set right. No, no, start serving even in the low season of your life. And, and Joseph, he interpreted the dream for the cupbearer and for the baker when he was in prison for the last 13 years. He could have just walked away and said, none of my business. Why do you care about your dreams? But yet he used his dreams, he interpreted for them and because of that, right, he was literally elevated and, I, and he was telling me, he said, Pastor, I'll go back, I'll go back with this thought that even in my wrong season, and I'm really messed up, I love my wife, but she has walked out of the marriage, walked out, and she will not have any reconciliation. But I want to serve God again. I looked at him and I said, Elvin, it's not over. It's not over. Even though your life seems to have been poisoned, but I tell you this, at 39 years old, I looked at him, I said, you're still a young man. Your whole life is still ahead of you. Can somebody say Amen. 2 Kings chapter 2, that's the passage of Scripture I'm going to read from. 2 Kings chapter 2, Elijah was caught up into heaven. Elisha was left with the double portion anointing. By then, Elijah and Elisha have established three different school of prophets in three different cities. The biggest was Bethel, about 150 prophets. The other one is Gilgal, anywhere between 100 to 120. And then in Jericho, there was about 50 of them, at least 50 prophets. Why? Because Jericho is not a godly city. I'm sure you know the story of Jericho. It's a beautiful city. It's called a city of palm trees. Uh, that's what Jericho is. Beautiful place, beautiful location. But most of the people, for lack of a better word, they are pagans. They, are, they, are, they don't worship Jehovah God. They don't follow the law of uh, Jehovah God. They don't believe in Yahweh. And of course, they do not listen to Yahweh's prophets. Huh? But interesting, when all these things happen, the Bible says in verse 19, the people of the city of Jericho said to Elisha, he says, look, our Lord. Now this is interesting. For them to actually acknowledge Elisha as a Lord, as a master or as a prophet, that is quite incredible. And they begin to say, Lord, uh, master, Lord, this town is well situated. And they begin by saying how good Jordan, uh, sorry, Jericho is. And they say that, uh, some scriptures say it's it's well uh, well good location well place. It says this is a great place. It's a great place. In all my years of ministry, I started very young when I was 21 years old. I know nothing but full time ministry. I know nothing but preaching and running a church. I've been full time for 37 years. I'll be turning 58 soon. I know I don't look at 58 because some of the young people, whenever I'm preaching in big churches, right after the service, when I'm walking past, they'll come up to me, 13, 14-year-old boys and girls, Pastor, you look so young only on stage. I'm like, don't know whether it's a compliment or not. You look so young when you're on stage. And see face to face, they're like, oh, he's an old man. So when, I, when they tell me, I'm like, okay, talk to me 200 meters away. <laughs> 
My wife and I, we have been married for 29 years. We've got three great kids. My eldest one is getting married in a month's time, my eldest boy. His name is Nathaniel. He's as handsome as the father. <laughs> you don't believe, huh? why? Huh? My eldest daughter, oh, by the way, my, 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 the, the, my, the, the, the girl that my son is going to get married to, she's an, her name is Yvette. Beautiful, wonderful. We call her our daughter in love. Uh, the long family, there's no law. So there's no daughter-in-law, mother-in-law. is. Yeah, that's right. So we are not law. I'm your father-in-law. I'm your father-in-love. Your mother-in-love. And she's excellent. And my eldest daughter, Tabitha, 24 years old, is finally, thank you, Jesus, finishing her university studies. Thank you, Lord. She's graduating next Sunday, May the 13th. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to be much richer once she graduates. Hallelujah. Four years of an American degree. Loving the Lord, serve the Lord. She's the head of the a children ministry, one of our campus. My son and my daughter in love, they're actually leading a connect or their cell group and also part of the VIP team leading welcome team on Sunday morning. Pretty amazing. Eldest daughter is, is, is finally graduating. If somebody asks me, Pastor, how is Tabitha? I say expensive, right? <laughs> but my youngest one is even more of a miracle. My youngest one is 19 years old. 19 years old. Uh, uh, just started college. There, I'm poor again. Hallelujah. Just started her university just about a month ago. What happened was that uh, uh, for, for, for her, uh, somewhere in December 2016, I was in Brisbane. My wife and I, we came. We spoke in City Point uh, in Brisbane at Carindale. And then they put us up in South Banks. Thank you, Pastor Mark. <laughs> we had a great time that was there. Sunday night after the last service, we were exhausted. It was about 12, uh, it was 12 a.m. here, 10 p.m. back home. I got a, got, got a WhatsApp call from my daughter, De Deborah, my baby girl, Deborah, And I could hear her crying over the phone. Why is my then 17-year-old girl crying over the phone at 12 midnight in Malaysia? Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a daughter that is crying over the phone at midnight, most likely it's not because she won a lottery or... <laughs> Most likely, what do you think would have happened? You all don't know? Uh, what would happen? That's it. Some boy would have broken her heart. And I was mad. I said, give me the phone. Typical father. Let me talk to her. I want to find out what's the name of the person. Is, is it that person? I suspected this person. I suspected that person. And the youth in the church, about three, four hundred of them. I preach and I've told them in much love, my language of love, the way I express myself in a very agape way. I told them this, that if you break my daughter's heart, I will break your face. Amen. <laughs> very, very lovingly, I've told them. <laughs> my wife said, please shut up and get out of the room. Stay in the living room. I'll deal with this. After 10 minutes, I was like pacing. What, what has happened to my daughter? Who, you know, I mean, my baby girl, my youngest one, my baby girl. My daughter came up, my wife came out. I'm like, who, who, what's the name of the guy? My wife said, please, nothing to do with the guy. Then what is it? Say that, well, uh, today the whole Sunday service, she was so convicted to join our Kingdom City Bible School which is called Leadership Academy. But of course, to able to attract the young people, we don't call Bible school, they all run away, right? So we call it radic uh, rad uh, Accelerated Discipleship. Sounds good, right? <laughs> you, want to be a, you want to join Accelerated Discipleship? Yeah, it's Bible school. 
And I was surprised because I didn't know that my youngest daughter wanted to be part of it. So we didn't prepare financially, nothing. But she said she was so convicted after she saw that, 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 that video presentation and she knew that she needed to sign up but it was the last day and we were not around. And then she said, that, no, I don't want to. And then when the second time it came out in the second service she was serving, during the time when the video was talking about the Bible school, she walked out trying to escape the conviction. Sometimes you are so foolish, right? Trying to escape conviction by going to the ladies. I mean, as she was leaving halfway, about to reach the ladies, of all the persons she met, the Bible school principal was there. And the Bible school principal looked at her and, and just asked her a question, Deborah, have you signed up for Kingdom City Leadership Academy? She didn't even ask, are you interested? Is the call of God upon your life? Just, have you signed up? And Deborah was like, no, no, because my parents are not around. They're in Australia. They're only coming back uh, two days from now. And, and uh, uh, it, it, registration is closed today. And then uh, the Bible school principal, Pastor Jocelyn, she's really great. She looked at my daughter and said, do you know whose child you are? Do you know whose daughter you are? She said, daughter of God? No, daughter of Chris Long. Sometimes you get spiritual, but then it was... Because your dad, we, we, we can extend the registration for you. You can sign up even next week. My daughter was like, oh, no. She was a bit concerned for us because she knew that we don't have that five-figure amount of money to prepare for her. But anyway, that's another story. God provided after everything. And she finished Bible school last year, nine months of accelerated uh, discipleship. Went to Cambodia, and Cambodia was excellent. My daughter, when she was younger, as a teenager, she was not a believer. She was a believer. Yeah. Hey! Some of you are like, what's a believer? It's a fan of Justin Bieber. <laughs> but she encountered God in such a remarkable way. And when she was growing up, she wanted to be a model. Would you believe it? She wanted to be a model. I said, what model? Model airplane? What model do you want to be? A fashion model. Anyway, uh, in Cambodia, her ministry was that she's part of a team of 300 people, but 30 of them were in charge of trying to rebuild a school. So she was there out in the hot sun from morning 10 up to 3 in the afternoon, six hours, uh, five hours, painting. And she was telling dad, mom, I wasn't even doing ministry. I wasn't even reaching out and praying for the sick, reaching out, witnessing. I was, I was painting the school using the hammer and the nail. And I was telling my wife, oh, hallelujah, God is good. What a way to turn my daughter around. Yeah. And in January, right, she barely turned 19 years old. She was, uh, she was, she was appointed to be one of the volunteer youth, uh, she was the youth pastor in one of our Kingdom City campus. Yeah. And my 19-year-old girl is preaching. I hear her and I look into the room and I saw her in front of the mirror preaching the Word of God. I'm like, oh man, unbelievable. What God can do in our lives, no matter how, how you see, a lot of us think that, 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 you know, that no matter how bad we are, there's still some good in your life. So Jericho, even though it was messed up with the water being poisonous, Yet the town is well situated. And they begin to say, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Help me, uh, no, allow me to just help you to get your mind a bit clearer. Remember, unproductive. Some Bible verses says the, the land was barren. There was miscarriage. Now, 
not in any way trying to uh, make it to be small, but I've, I've met people. Oh, by the way, that, that, that guy, Elvin, in, in, in Fiji, the reason why their marriage really went on the rocks because uh, the wife, they, they lost a baby through miscarriage, five months. Because of that, the wife couldn't handle it. It was the, the pain, the, the brokenness that was there, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the blame that went on. And can you imagine in the whole village or whole city of Jericho, uh, the, People were getting pregnant, not people, ladies were getting pregnant. And everyone was excited because there's going to be a baby. And now in the Bible time and even in some of our culture, right, once a baby is, is expected to be born, I mean, the whole village, the whole city get excited. But you know how disappointed it is when there's miscarriage? The pain that is there, the disappointment that is there. And they came to Elisha and asked Elisha for help. You know what Elisha asked? Or asked for? He says, Bring me a new bowl. Ladies and gentlemen, this evening, you know, I took this all the way from Kuala Lumpur. I brought it here. Normally, I eat this with my instant noodles. <laughs> Put a couple of eggs inside. I went through the customs. They stopped me. They want to quarantine this, but I told them, no, I need to use this for my illustration for a church in Redcliffe tonight. So I brought it all the way and because I flew Air Asia, I got to pay extra baggage about. And the last three minutes, what I said is not true either. <laughs> they asked for the most common, I mean, Elisha asked for the most common thing. Literally says, you want a miracle? You want to see healing for the water? And he says, bring me a new bowl. I mean, if I was the people from Jericho, I was expecting him to say, go up to the mountain in Jericho. Go up to the mountain in Brisbane, the highest mountain. Mount Kutha. All right, Mount Kutha. Go there, climb up there. And there you will find whatever and bring it down. You know, and, but he asked for this. In any culture, any city, whether you are rich or poor, you can afford this. I mean, everyone, everyone's house has a bowl. There's no such thing that, oh, a bowl, it's so difficult, I can't afford it. No. Tonight, what God is asking for you to experience a miracle is what you can give to Him. And you have this. You know what is that? Yourself. Yourself. But He doesn't want a bowl that is full. He wants a bowl that is empty so He can fill you up. In other words, you, you cannot... And in those days in Bible school, we always make fun because we are so afraid that God will send us to India and Africa. No, no, I, I have gone there and I love it, right? And sometimes we'll be praying, Oh God, here am I, send her. <laughs> here am I, send him and him, hallelujah. But, but, but here is that you cannot surrender. Lord, I surrender my wife to you. Sorry you can't. She has to surrender herself. You surrender yourself to the Lord. And the second thing he asked was this, I want some salt. I tell you, it was so difficult for me to go through quarantine for this. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't want to tell the untruth. It's not true, right? Uh, wow, cooking salt. This, is this expensive? No? Of all the things he asked for was salt. Oh! You, you, you opened it up? I didn't even know. Sorry, Mr. Janitor. <laughs> you, are, you are not the one cleaning, right? So you are laughing so much. Of all the things he asked for is a bowl and salt. My friends, again, every, every civilization 
For them, salt is nothing. Every house has salt. That's it. When I remember my first trip to Bangladesh, right, in the village, they gave me rice with dal, with a little chili and salt. And because I was a guest speaker, they blessed me with an egg. Hallelujah. That's it. And that's enough for them because salt is something that is so common. And what happened after that? Let's take a look. He said, bring me a new bowl, put some salt in it. And so they brought it to him. And then he went out to the spring. In other words, he took the salt in the bowl and he went out to the spring. Literally, the spring is where the root of the problem is. So in other words, if you want God to bring healing into your life, go to the root of the problem. And he began to put salt into it. And he began to put salt on it. And the Bible says, I love what the scripture says immediately. It says this, let's take a look. This is what the Lord says, I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water remain pure to this day according to the word Elisha had spoken. Very quickly, four things tonight. I'll just run through it because it's so simple. Firstly, the problem. You must admit there is a problem. If you sit there tonight and if there are struggles in your life, but you don't admit it, that you need help. My dear friends, even if the Lord's presence is here tonight moving, even if Jesus would walk among us, He would not be able to give you that miracle and that breakthrough if you do not call upon the name of the Lord and admit there is a problem. And for, the, for, for, the, for those in Jericho to actually ask Elisha, it was incredible. That itself shows their step of faith. I've come to realize that's the heart of God. Sometimes, again, religion have taught us and have taught us. And I was from a religious background. I was from a Buddhist family. Malaysia, it's, it's multi-religious. And, and I, I grew up seeing a lot of things. But religion have actually, instead of giving faith, has robbed away a lot of our faith. Making it so difficult. Making it so difficult to get our healing and our blessing. I know the scripture, it says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's it. That's what the Word of God says. And if you've ever been told that you need big faith to get big things done, that is not true. That's not from the Bible. The Bible speaks about a mustard seed faith. That expression of faith could just be lifting up your hands after and say, Jesus, I need you. That's enough. It could just be the cry of your heart, God, messed up. Do something, Lord. You'll be surprised what God can do. Can somebody say amen? But admit there is a problem. Number two, the person. What is the person? Go to the right person. Yeah. Elisha. They could have gone to any of their prophets or maybe they have. But in the end, they went to Elisha. This was Elisha's first miracle. It's not that he has done miracles before. In other words, he has never done a single miracle. And this bunch of people doesn't believe in Yahweh God was testing him to see whether he can actually do it or not. I begin to discover that his miracle and also Jesus' first miracle at Cana were both what I call miracles of mercy. Is it up there? Miracles of mercy. Amazing. Jesus and Elisha. Miracles of mercy. And both these miracles have nothing to do with what we think miracles are supposed to do. Change a nation. Transform a nation. Win your generation. All those nice topics that missions conference and youth conferences put as a title, right? Nothing of that sort. Elisha's first miracle was so that people can smile again. People can drink water and they'll be happy. You know, husband and wife, they can have babies. Now, how, how exciting is that? Come on. 
happiest moments, grandparents. I told my wife, I, I told my wife, as I uh, told my wife, said that I'm going to tell Nathan, right, and Yvette, hold on to the babies. Wait until we're about, maybe two years, then give us, give us our grandkids. My wife and I have decided we're going to be the coolest grandparents on the face of the earth. <laughs> but hold on first. But if the babies would come, there'll be a smile on their face. And literally, Elisha's, uh, the prophet Elisha's miracle was just to bring a community to enjoy good life again. That is the heart of God. What is Jesus' first miracle, my friend? Oh, it is to win the nation? No. It was at a wedding. I'm thinking about my son's wedding. They ran out of wine. Can you imagine? At a wedding, you run out of food. That's it. Run out of wine, run out of drinks, run out of everything. If that would have happened, that family would carry the shame for the rest of their earthly life. The whole village will mock them. The parents and the, the parents-in-law, that, that whole bunch of them, they will be looked down in the whole village. In church on Sunday morning, if they go to a church. Where are you guys going? <laughs> you don't like my message, why? Oh, they're a worship team. <laughs> I thought like, we are done with this Chinese man, we are leaving. Tonight, at about 11 a.m., 11 p.m. when you're sleeping, you will wake up and you will laugh at some of my jokes. You will remember them. You're like, ah, that was so funny. The, the first miracle was to give dignity to a family so that they will not carry the shame. That's what, when you, you study the scripture, the first is always that which is the original purpose. So the miracle is not to save a nation. It is to literally give that family dignity again. Can you imagine next Sunday, one month from now during the, the wedding dinner and the run out of food? What will happen? Sunday morning, oh, 26 is the wedding dinner. I'm preaching three times on Sunday. I don't know why I was being rostered. Three times. Can you imagine on that Sunday morning I'm preaching, talking about faith? Half the church will be like, yeah, we were there at the wedding, talking about faith, there's no food. The chicken, what are you talking about? <laughs> I will carry the shame. Jesus is concerned for your dignity, not just for your destiny. Yeah. He's concerned for who you are, how you feel about yourself. Yeah. Finally, the process. There's always a process. The process is the new bowl and the salt. Yeah. Leviticus chapter 2 verse 13 says this, Season all your offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of the grain offerings. Add salt to all your offerings. Even tonight, even as you offer yourself to the Lord, remember, add salt into it. But what do I mean by salt? Jesus says that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. But for me, salt speaks about our heart. In other words, Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord spoke to the people of God and He says, My, my people... Worship and honour me only with their lips. But their heart is far away from me. No salt. It's, 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 it's there but it's not there. Tonight I pray for those of you who are serving. Those of you who are saying yes to God. Every one of us involved in different ministry. Whatever you do, make sure you add salt into it. Put your heart into it. And then you know the fourth P, after that process, the providence, the miracle happened. I'm not saying that it will happen immediately tonight. 
but a journey can begin for you. The healing for your generation can happen starting tonight. I left Kuala Lumpur last Sunday at 11.30, eight hours on, <laughs> on Air Asia. And then one of my best friends, Paul, right, he picked me up. I stayed with him for a day. And I only reached Fiji, Nandi, on Tuesday at 6 p.m. But I started the journey. I can complain that I never get a chance to go to Fiji, but I have to start somewhere. I got to end up by buying the ticket, paying for it, and get on the flight. If you want your breakthrough, if you want your miracle, you got to start somewhere, my friend. Begin on the journey. And I promise you this, there are wonderful, awesome people in this church that will journey together with you to ensure that you will receive healing for your life so that out of your heart, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water again. Can somebody say amen? amen? Can you bow your heads and just close your eyes at this moment? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Right where you are seated this evening, I wonder if there are some of you that are here. This message resonates with you. You really sense that things in your life have not been doing, going right. Some of you that have never said yes to Jesus, in fact, you are a visitor here for the first time, but tonight, something has happened. That is, that is God touching you. That's what we say. That is the love of God reaching out to you, my friend. I talk about the Bible has nothing to do with behavior. The Bible has to do with identity. And tonight, I want you to know that God has an awesome plan for your life. Tonight, you can receive healing. You can receive restoration. You can leave this place on a new journey knowing that God has begun that healing, that restoration in your life. Regardless of how you have come tonight or what your background is, tonight God wants to do something incredible for your life. It will be our honour to see that miracle happen in your life and in your family. If you'll say, Pastor Chris, yes, pray for me. I want to say yes to Jesus. Pray for me. I really need that healing. All of this place at this moment, if this message is for you, right where you are seated, would you, right where you are, to the count of three, just raise up your right hand so I can pray for you immediately after that. If you are ready, here we go. One, two, and three. If there is someone, just raise up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Is there someone else that is here? Thank you. I see that hand. Just raise up that hand. Is there someone else? I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that everyone that is here would know that you are a good God, that you are in the ministry of restoration and reconciliation. Father, whatever has happened in our life, Lord, we do not seek for an answer, but we have found a solution in you. And Lord, tonight we want to make a declaration that whatever the devil has stolen, he has to pay back up to seven times even according to the scripture. Lord, we thank you that you are doing a great work in City Point, Redcliffe. Thank you for this awesome team of leaders and ministry team and those who are serving because God, we are serving you not because we are perfect, but we are serving you because we love you and we love our community. Lord, you will continue to use us as you change us. And Father, I pray that everyone that is here, whatever season their life is, they will use their gifts, even in the worst seasons of their life, 
and slowly but surely, the journey of restoration will come about and there will be elevation and promotion in their life. Thank you, God, for what you are doing. Bless this awesome, wonderful, dedicated group of people tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody say, Amen. 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 Awesome. Amen.